He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jets and Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Nova Castrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. It is time to cross to Zach Garrett, and as usual, he's name dropping. He's up at Universal Studios watching the Elvis movie. <laughs> good morning, and welcome, Zach Garrett. Hey, good morning. Yeah, the, the, the session is currently playing, so I've got to speak very, very quietly. <laughs> if that's okay. No, I'm, 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 I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm actually just there. We're here. We're here in the lobby at uh, AMC Cinemas. Probably at, like probably. <laughs> Couldn't get more Hollywood than Hollywood right now. We're at Universal Studios. So you really, really can't get any more Hollywood, can you? <laughs> now, uh, you, you haven't no. seen it, uh, but it's a, a mate of yours, Austin Butler, who plays Elvis Presley. There has been some uh, yeah. some interesting reviews over it. Some people say it's the best film they've ever seen. Other people can't stand it. Oh, wow. But that's Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Yeah, but Baz is always really divisive like that. I, I know some critics over, over here who just don't like his movies at all. But I like Baz, and I like Catherine, his wife. They're incredible. Because I, I love what he does, where he takes these big movies and he brings them to Australia because he wants to employ people there to create the next Baz Luhrmann, to create the next Catherine Martin. And he has he has an audaciousness with, what he, with how he wants to do things. And I think that's to be applauded. Like, Ostie, Ostie's playing um, Elvis in this. And he's a great actor. He's a lovely bloke. You know, he's been around for a while. Uh, but the studios were sort of like, you want him to do it? Like, he's the Disney sort of heartthrob. Mm. And, and Baz was like, no, he, he's the guy. He can move. He can sing. He can act. He's fantastic. So Baz carries a lot of weight, and he uses it for wonderfully virtuous, uh, virtuous um, things. So I, I really can't wait to see it. Plus, it was shot on the Gold Coast. You know, I know, a few, you know quite a few people that worked on it because it was shooting while we were doing rainfall. So, um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited. It really, uh, it really is interesting. I, uh, one of his greatest movies ever is Strictly Ballroom. I cannot yeah. stand that movie. Oh, really? You don't no. like it? Why don't you like it? I don't. It's cringy. I, I just find it cringy. But, you know, you give me Moulin Rouge or, uh, or uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet, I'm there. I just I think that he killed those two. Yeah, yeah. See, I've Strictly Ballroom for me has a real. It's got a real special place in my heart because I love the way he sort of takes that jingoistic uh, Australian sort of sort of character and he makes it really campy and really fun. And it's hugely popular over here. Like people know know Australia through Strictly Ballroom. They know Porpoise Point through Muriel's Wedding and things like that. So these kinds of movies from the '90s really struck a nerve over here. And Strictly Ballroom is, of course, a darling of the Cannes Film Festival. So um, yeah, I, I think it's wonderful that a story like that, which is such a unique and individual and very Australian mm. story, launched the career of this man who is now telling the most American of stories. He's telling the story of Great Gatsby, you know, taking F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel and shooting it in Sydney. And then, of course, the story of Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, you know, the, the, the day on of American musical uh, iconography and shooting on the Gold Coast. And I think that's, that's something that really did start mm. with Strictly Ballroom. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I haven't had a chance to see it yeah. yet. I finally got to see Maverick on Friday. Um, it's so, fun, isn't it? Oh, I loved it, and especially the <laughs> opening scenes. I'm sitting there thinking, hang on a second, am I, am I, still, am I in the 80s? Like, hang on a second. It yeah. was identical. The, the opening scenes yeah. were just identical. Um, but, yeah, great, great, great films. Now, of course, it is, uh, it is Independence Day over here. It's already the 4th of July. Uh, of course, it is Independence Happy Day. Happy Independence Day to you. That's Same. great. It is yep. Independence Day 
Day weekend <laughs> over there, which is a huge, uh, it's a huge weekend. I've, uh, I've had the great pleasure yeah. of being over, uh, over in the US a couple of times on Independence Day. And it is something really yeah, special, have, yeah. isn't it? It, it, really, um, it really is a chance for Americans to celebrate who they are, but it's not quite the celebration it normally is this year, I understand. Yeah, it's very melancholy this year. I mean, I'm standing here trying to get a line out the door uh, here at AMC Cinemas, and it's it, you know people are out enjoying the weekend and enjoying the enjoying the chance to have a long weekend because it, it's on Monday tomorrow. But yeah, normally, like you said, you take the jingoism and things out of it. The, the entity of what Independence Day really is, taking it back to of course the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and the virtues that it was founded upon. And if anybody wants to understand that, I really recommend Tom Hooper's miniseries John Adams. Uh, which was made for HBO about 20 years ago now. And Paul Giamatti plays John Adams in it. And it's fantastic. It's the best representation I've seen of the conception of American independence. So the virtues of those things are, of course, worth celebrating. However, mm. what we've experienced over the last two weeks, it goes well and truly against all those virtues that people like, you know, James Madison and Benjamin Franklin and all these people believe when they signed the Declaration of Independence, which was founding a country to move forward with the people and with the times. That's why they sought independence at that stage, because they had taxation without representation. Now you have women without rights. It's, it is truly unbelievable. And one of the most horrific stories that is coming out of, uh, out of all of this at the moment, and it is a real-world example of exactly why this this should be just feared, is the case of a 10-year-old child who, uh, who was raped, yeah. obviously, in Ohio. She's six weeks pregnant. But she's not, it's illegal for her to have an abortion. What the hell? Oh, Tracy, look, and for the listeners this morning, I know this is a very heavy going conversation um, for a Monday morning, but it is something that dominates the conversation here because there are people who refuse to believe that this would occur. It occurs here, it occurs. Not that it doesn't, or not that it wouldn't, it does happen. And then you've got people, of course, saying that, like the governor, not, sorry, not the governor, the attorney general, I believe it was, of Ohio, said, Oh well, she should see this as an opportunity. Now, oh my stop on that for a second, Godfather. Yeah, yeah. What opportunity? I have no idea. This, this is this is grotesque. She's the victim of a, of a sickening crime, for God's sakes. Now, taking that aside for a second, we were having conversations with with people we know back in Alabama, sorry, back in Louisiana, who believe in that exact statement. They believe that any woman who is sexually assaulted or raped should see this as an opportunity. I mean, how you can possibly reach that twisted, convoluted conclusion, even with your own theological and dogmatic conceitedness, I truly cannot believe that. I truly cannot believe someone can be so arrogant, so self-centered, and so absorbed with their own moral superiority and piousness that they refuse to look at a 10-year-old who has been sexually assaulted and go, you know what, no, she needs assistance and she needs this. And put your own beliefs aside just for a second, and look at the genuine morality of the situation in front of you. But that's what's been abandoned here. It's the, the conversation around the actual morality, the actual freedom of choice, which America was founded upon mm. tomorrow, 250-odd years ago tomorrow, has been completely abandoned, completely abandoned in the last two weeks. Now, this is not the last time we're going to hear these, hear these sorts of conversations. This is not the last time this is going to occur. It happens. It really happens. Now, Pete Buttigieg was pushed by um, Chris Wallace uh, on, on a conversation this morning. I think it was on CNN, actually. And Pete Buttigieg, he was asked about late-term abortions mm. and how our people shouldn't have late-term abortions. But Pete Buttigieg said, we need to stop 
making that the centre point of the conversation here. Decisions like that, there's 6,000 late-term abortions in the United States every year. That makes up 1% of all terminations across the US. However, rape, incest, coercion, and women who are victims of crimes make up a far greater proportion of terminations than women who, are, who have a late-term abortion due to medical, due to medical, uh, medical needs. So this is something that we really, really need to get our head around. But unfortunately, uh, it, it has just been, it's just been absorbed by the, by the hard conservative conversation that, of course, has, you know, unfortunately been personified by the Supreme Court. It's just, it's horrifying. And, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to read something to you from, from the De- Declaration of Independence. Now, this is the De- Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That is the Declaration of Independence. How in God's name yeah. does what's going on at the moment go back, that was written 250 odd years ago, how does that yeah. reconcile with what's happening now in 2022? I can assure you when Thomas Jefferson wrote those words with Benjamin Franklin and with John Adams um, in Philadelphia, uh, sorry, yeah, it was sorry, in Philadelphia in the 1770s, they would not have conceived a 10-year-old girl in Ohio being forced to carry a pregnancy to term, even at the most conservative of their puritanical beliefs, which of course is a, is a founding factor of the United States. Would anyone have considered this for a second, that someone has no choice but to carry, uh, carry a pregnancy to term after being the victim of a crime? And 10 it, years it, old it, at that it, point. It, it, <laughs> 10 years old, yeah. It's, it's a total deprivation of liberty. It's a total deprivation of justice. Mm. It's a total deprivation of happiness. And this young girl is now jumping the border to Indiana to have an abortion. Now, this is what we've been talking about for some time. When the six-week, when the heartbeat law was introduced in Texas, people went to Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma has shut its borders. They're going to look to other states like California and other states that do uh, facilitate these um, these procedures. It is just horrifying. I, I cannot even come to grips with it. I, I just, I really can't. I don't understand how anybody can say that that is, uh, that is acceptable. The Supreme Court are doing some very strange things at the moment, aren't they? And uh, even more disturbing is uh, what they're trying to do with the governors, that at the end of the day, they want the governors to, uh, to decide who does or doesn't win uh, your elections. There's some really screwed up crap going on over there at the moment. Now, this is essentially being derived from what Ginny Thomas Clarence Thomas's wife. Here we go has, again. You know, we've talked about her previously. Yes, was was advocating after the after the November 2020 election. She was advocating that the governors can um, dissolve the choices of the people of the state and basically assign their own electors. So essentially, if the people from Georgia say no, we want Joe Biden to be president, the governors and the lawmakers can go. Actually, no, we don't agree with that. So we're going to assign your votes to Donald Trump. Just to use that as an example. Now, there is a case currently before the Supreme Court called Moore versus Harper. It's from North Carolina. Now, it's going to be, I think the decision is going to be in June 2023. And it's being driven by uh, Republican uh, individuals in North Carolina who had their gerrymandering districts rejected because it was ridiculous. <laughs> the districts I was trying to put forward were, of course, absurdly weighted against minorities and against people who need representation. So it was disgracefully drawn. You know, over here, we do not have an independent body like the Australian Electoral Commission in Australia. It's drawn by the politicians themselves, which you would think is a pretty flawed approach, mm, broadly. Yeah, think so. so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was rejected by the courts, and then the Republican Party taken all the way to the Supreme Court. And they're basically saying, look, we want to decide who is president. We, 
the governor and the electors of, of the state should have the say, not the people who vote. <laughs> Which, again, referring back to the document that was signed 250-odd years ago, tomorrow deprives the very liberty that this country was founded on, deprives people of the very liberty that this country was founded on, for goodness sakes. So this actually is a really serious problem, because then if you have... A, uh, a Republican nomin- a governor and also representatives in, in, say, Georgia, Florida, and Texas. And if Texas, Florida, and Georgia vote for a Democratic president, those representatives can say, no, we're choosing not to elect that president. This is the world that we are potentially 12 months away from and that the Supreme Court have laid a path through. Now, the fact that they're even hearing the case is emboldening them in a very troubling way. But it's basically saying that elections in this country are non-consequential. So how long until you're moving back home, huh? <laughs> I, I speak to some very lovely American people here who keep saying that. <laughs> they keep saying, so uh, why are you here again? Mm. And it's, it's kind of like I feel as though, you know, I do want to stand up for these things and I do want to fight for, for the virtues that this country... And I mean, look, democracy is not endemic to the US. It was founded by the Greeks, for God's sake, mm. thousands of years ago. Um, but America purports itself to be the beacon of democracy. Yes and no. I think Australia's democratic system is far superior to the United States. But I do believe there is an inherently large amount of good in this country. There are incredible people who do wonderful things every single day. And lest we forget that less than 30% of this country believe in anything the Supreme Court are doing. They don't believe in it. The vast majority of this country want gun control. Mm. They want women they want women to have a choice. They want free and fair elections. They don't think the election was stolen. But it's this one-third, this tiny percentile of this country that is dragging it in this destructive direction that could really see the dissolution of the United States. It is quite horrifying. Now, on to more more happy things. It is obviously July 4 tomorrow. It is Independence Day. Have you got the grill out? Because apparently it is uh, the biggest day for grilling things over there. Have you got the grill out? Have you got some Aussie (laughs) lamb to, to put on your grill tomorrow? a wonderful point you're raising yeah it's uh, i mean even though it is a bit of a melancholy occasion there's very little red white and blue to see around i will say that it's not nearly as as, as bombastic as it has been in the past it's more reflective and i think it's kind of cool to have a national holiday that's founded on these virtues that people are actually sort of stepping back and going all right we need to fix things mm. and they're doing it with australian lamb of, <laughs> of, all, things. of all things so yeah, now, I've noticed this a bit. Like, when we go to the supermarket here, you see Australian lamb and New Zealand lamb, but it's mostly Australian lamb, for sale. And now, I've spoke to people here who don't really like lamb. They think it's kind of gamey, but I love lamb. You know, like lamb roasts were a big thing for us. Lamb chops. Growing up in Australia. Oh, amazing. My dad loves lamb chops. My granddad loves lamb chops. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful staple of our, of, our, um, of our culinary experience. But, yeah, it's becoming quite common here because a lot of American meats are, of course, fatty and sweet and covered in sauces. This is quite refined. and People are seeing it as sort of like a bourgeois kind of meal. But people are getting it and, and, and grilling it on the barbecue and making it like a main course. So Australian meat, I think it was $950 million worth of Australian lamb was exported to the U.S. in the last 12 months. And I'm seeing it here everywhere. I mean, I, I saw barramundi. Um, on the menu at restaurants as like the fish of the day, which is really interesting to me as well, you know. So it's interesting to see that these Australian culinary uh, culinary icons are creeping in. Because it is such an Australian thing, isn't it? it it's Australia Day. We, we put some lamb on our fork, you know, pork on our fork as well. It it's, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, listen, you have a wonderful day. What are you, uh, what are you planning for, uh, for tomorrow? Are you just going to have a nice easy one or are you going out with friends? What's the plan? 
we're going to go. To, we're actually going to a rooftop uh, pool gathering in downtown Los Angeles. Alison's friend Jessica is a, is a wonderfully talented photographer, and uh, she's invited us around to have a barbecue and have a swim in the pool. So it should be pretty nice, actually. But, but having talked to a lot of our friends here, who we normally see every year, everyone's just kind of like, oh, I can't be bothered. Mm. <laughs> I can't be bothered. I can and understand course, that. Yeah, a lot of them are women. They're just like, I just don't see the reason to do it this year. No. But I think it's causing some reflection and some circumspection, which I think is necessary. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a very, very good thing. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate it. And uh, I have to go. Uh, the next song has to be Born in the USA, doesn't it? It does. Put some Springsteen on. It's Absolutely. very, very good. K-san-like song, actually. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Listen, you have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day. Have a wonderful 4th of July. And uh, I want to hear all about uh, what Elvis is like. I can't wait to I can't wait to see it. I'll let you know. Thank you, my friend. We'll chat uh, we'll chat next week. Okay, check you Bye. later, Tracy. Bye. That is Zach Garrett joining me live from LA, where, of course, it is the day before Independence Day, but here in Australia, it certainly is already the 4th of July, and what better number to celebrate the US independence than Bruce Springsteen and born in the USA. Yo, with Tracy Mack. Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines. What it is, why it matters, and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from 9 on Newcastle Live.